Hello, hello, all of my beautiful freaking people. Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Today's episode is fucking gold, y'all. Therapy Jeff is returning to FML Talk, so sit back, grab a journal to take notes and a fucking cocktail. Welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19, can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. He did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on her Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh, no, she didn't. Okay, seriously, you guys can thank me later. This episode really is fucking gold. First of all, go follow Therapy Jeff online, please. Message him. Tell him how much you love him. Tell him you found him on FML Talk so that we can get him back in the future. This is the second episode he's done. We had him on for a great episode in season four about green flags and red flags. And this episode today and this conversation is so fucking good. We are going to talk about how to set boundaries in a relationship and not be afraid to ask for what you want. We are going to talk about about what to do if your partner is liking naked Instagram models' photos and doing really inappropriate things that make you feel disrespected. We are going to talk about why people cheat. Is it your fault? Did you bring it on yourself? He's going to grill me about my relationship with Daniel and when I went snooping to find out everything. And we're going to talk about what happens if you cheat and try and work through it. All from the perspective of a therapist who has seen all of these scenarios in his office in couples therapy. We're also going to touch on the most successful scenarios and the least successful scenarios when it comes to repairing cheating and really how to trust people and not bring baggage into your next relationship from being cheated on. You're welcome in advance. This is going to be a short fucking intro because this episode is so good. I just want to get into it. So here we go. Jeff Gunther, although I'm going to call you Therapy Jeff because that's how I love and know you. Uh, welcome back to FML Talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I mean, everybody now calls me Therapy Jeff. It's not Jeff Gunther, licensed professional counselor, and I'm totally fine with it. I love that. I, it's like you've become our internet therapist <laughs> in like the most endearing way. And I share your videos all the time. There's so many of your your little snippets that speak to me and therefore I know are going to speak to so many of my listeners. So thank you for being back. I'm excited to uh, to dive into a different kind of episode today. Yeah, I'm excited to talk. I know that you have lots of really good questions for me, so I am ready. So let's get in. Let's dig in. So I really want to talk about respecting yourself in a relationship. I feel like so many times people get stuck in these toxic fucking relationships and don't know when to walk away, don't know when to like put up healthy boundaries, can't really see through the fucking love goggles of like this person's mistreating me. So how would you recommend people stating their needs and setting healthy boundaries at the, just from the get-go? You're sort of saying like, sometimes you have these like love goggles on, or sometimes it seems like we just don't know better when we're like in love or when we're with somebody, even if it's like a really toxic or like abusive relationship. As friends, we're sort of like looking at those relationships and we're just like, why is our friend staying in this? Why aren't they like setting these boundaries? Why aren't they like stating their needs or creating these like limitations or whatever it is. And I think that like, sometimes it's like, they just don't know, like they just don't have the knowledge. They don't know that they can speak up and ask for this. It hasn't been modeled or they haven't been told, or they're obviously not a therapy Jeff follower. Um, But (laughs) 
Other times, it could be that like they are very well aware that they should be speaking up or they shouldn't be in that relationship or something needs to change, yet mm. they still don't do it. And those are the folks that I that usually land up in my office as clients. And those are the people that I'm like the most interested in talking to because what's typically happening, and I don't know, we've all sort of like been in that situation, haven't we? Where we're like, we know better. Yes. Yes, me. I I am people. (laughs) (laughs) I I am people too. And I and I think one of the reasons we sort of like land up in these relationships where we know better but we're not speaking up or not like creating healthy boundaries or respecting ourselves is that it's coming from like let's blame our parents. Let's like blame our childhood. Or we probably were in a situation where we didn't feel chosen or we didn't feel seen or heard or loved. And sometimes we got that sporadically from our parents or our caregivers or the adults in our lives, but we never got it really enough. So we left that situation being like, I just want to feel chosen no matter what, even if that means I'm in a relationship where I'm not being respected or I'm not being taken seriously or I'm not being loved in the mm-hmm. way that I should be loved. So we know there's like a big rational part of ours, our brains, ourselves, that we like we shouldn't be in this relationship or we need to make changes. But the like desire and the subconscious desire is so powerful to want to be chosen that we're just gonna be like, fuck it. Like I'm gonna stay in this relationship because even though I'm getting disrespected or abused emotionally or even physically, at at least this person is choosing me and I never felt chosen before. I feel like this is a real downer way to start this episode. So fucked up. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, but it's very accurate and it's very truthful. Unfortunately for a lot of people, I know a lot of people are going to resonate with that. And that's why we end up in these toxic cycles mm-hmm. because it's like, well, I'd rather be with someone than be by myself. Mm-hmm. We have this like weird adversion in this society that like being alone is taboo and like what do you mean you're in your 30s and you're not married Mm -hmm. and like you better start like getting on the horse and having kids and it's like being alone is fucking awesome in its own right for a lot of different ways and it's healthy a lot Mm -hmm. of the time too i don't know why we have this fixation on you need to be in a partner to be validated well, yeah. I, I mean, a lot of it is because of like society and the messages that you are of value if you are in a relationship or you're married or you're making babies or you're on like the relationship escalator where you're like hitting all the milestones or whatever. And then the other part of it, well, there's probably many parts of it, but the other part of it is that maybe like you weren't loved and cared for or given attention like you should have been when you were a kid. And so now you're like craving mm-hmm. it and you become this stupid little love goggly, like blind person. And it's so hard when like you have a friend that's in that relationship, you just want to fucking shake them and wake them up. Yes. Yeah, I get it. And those, and like I said, those clients are the ones that find me. And typically that work, like I work with them for many months and sometimes years in order to like eventually get them, get them to this place where they feel brave enough and courageous enough to speak up. And it doesn't mean that they're going to end the relationship, but it might be that they're like going to start to change the relationship. And one of the things that I have to do as a therapist is that I have to let them know that like I'm choosing them. So I'm sort of like reparenting mm-hmm. them in a way. I'm giving them like the care and the unconditional regard that they never got. And once they feel sort of like more filled up by going to therapy with me, then they're feeling like even 
more brave to ask for what they need in a relationship. So love that. I just want I wanted to say this just because like it's really easy to get mad at those friends. It's, it's it's even easier to get mad at ourselves for not doing that. But we should also try to like tap into feelings of compassion of like, oh, they're really struggling. It's not as black and white yeah. as it seems, right? Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLTalk50 and use code FMLTalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLTalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLTalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. I recently went through this with one of like my very best girlfriends who was on the flip side of it when I was going through my fucking saga and she was like trying to shake me being like, I don't understand. How do you not under like, how are you not seeing what's so clearly in front of you? And now she's going through that. And I'm like, didn't didn't you watch me go through this? <laughs> like you see how this is like the exact same thing. Why are we letting ourselves be disrespected? And like, why are we staying in this relationship? And you're right. It's so not that black and white. And like any trauma, feeling uh, when you can figure out where it comes from and where it's stemming from, that allows us to have a lot more compassion mm -hmm. for the situation at hand. Yeah, there's a there's a new show on Apple TV. It's called Bad Sisters. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. I'm not going to do any spoilers, but the the premise is like one of the sisters of the four sisters is in a bad, shitty relationship, and the other sisters are like, "Cool, we're going to murder your fucking husband." And and I'm watching. Oh my god, that's brilliant! Because <laughs> like the poor sister that's in this relationship is so hijacked and can't see the truth, and sort of knows to a certain degree that this is a very toxic, fucked up relationship, and because she's so helpless, all the other sisters that are super protective just want to do a murder, and it's the same feeling that I get with my clients where I want to like murder their shitty fucking partners sometimes, but I, I don't. I've never done it and I would never admit it. Even if I did, I'd get my license <laughs> taken away. But Oh my God, I love it. So I'm also just sort of like empathizing with you or empathizing with a listener who has that friend where yeah. like you want to shake them like we're saying but the best way to go about it is to like be understanding and be like hey i've been in the same situation you know like i get how helpless and powerless you feel but like you're like how you started out this this podcast you want to kind of like talk about how to sort of like maybe like wake somebody up so that they can start asking for their needs to be met and they can yes. demand a little bit more respect yeah so what was yes. your original question i can't remember anymore teach us how to do that <laughs> um really so how do you in a relationship and i guess like it, it's probably i don't know you tell me is it a different answer like if you're 
in a new relationship and you're needing to start stating your needs and setting your boundaries versus if you're in a toxic relationship that you need to wake up from to start setting needs and boundaries? Is that a very like different I mean, scenario? What I would want to happen ideally is that like even before you get into a relationship and start dating is you sort of like define your non-negotiables and your deal breakers. So like the non-negotiables are things that like you have to have that you want to have in a relationship. You want somebody to be financially secure. You want somebody to be super supportive. You want somebody to, you know, have a car so you can drive around, whatever it is, like no judgment. It can be like, I want my person to be super fucking rich. I don't care. Like put your non-negotiables. I want a sugar daddy. I want a sugar daddy. I want a sugar daddy. (laughs) Sugar mommy. Um, If you're listening. if If you're listening, I'm single. I'm looking for a sugar mommy. Let me know. Jeff at therapyjeff.com. I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) So what are your non-negotiables? What do you have to have in a relationship? And then what are your deal breakers? Obviously, we all know what a deal breaker is. It's just sort of like somebody who's really disrespectful or somebody who doesn't understand me, somebody who never has time for me, whatever they are. So put those down pin those up on the fucking fridge or write them in blood on your mirror or tattoo them on your forehead so that when you do go into these relationships and start dating, understand that you're going to have those love goggles. They're going to be put on. And when they do, you're going to like forget the list that you made. So I want you to date from this list and be true to that list. Because if you're not, then you're going to end up in one of these goddamn relationships where you're just like, oh, fuck, now I have to pivot into like really speaking up because I haven't or I let shit slide or I let this chemistry that was so chaotic and wild sort of like rule the relationship. So yes, ideally, you first come up with your non-negotiables and deal breakers and whatever the hell is important, more important to you. And you like Let that guide you. But if you notice that something has like shifted in the relationship and you're already like well within it, then you're going to have to like make a change inside of it. And that's right. You can totally do that, but it might be uh, that, that might break things up. That might kind of like cause too much tension, which is fine. Like let somebody walk away from you. Yeah. If they can't meet your needs, you know what I mean? Yeah. If, if speaking up and stating what you need in, any relationship dynamic, whether it's, you know, romantic or not, if that's going to cause the person to exit the relationship, like, mm-hmm. farewell, my friend, mm-hmm. that's protecting your peace. As long as it's something that is, you know, true to you and not outrageous of of an ask. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And a lot of times we kind of get in these situations where we're just like, oh, shit, I need to state my needs. And I haven't done that yet because we're sort of like a little more focused on being really concerned about how they feel about us instead of how we feel about them. Mm-hmm. So if you're just like more concerned about whether or not they like you instead of like, do I like them or am I getting my needs met or are they crossing my boundaries, then it's going to get all foggy for you. But eventually it always fucking catches up to you and you find yourself in the situation where you have to express your needs. And so there's a difference between like needs and wants where a need is just like, it's almost kind of like, I got to have it. Here's my top five needs. Hopefully it's five yeah. out of five or at least four out of five needs. And wants is just sort of like, I really want this, but I'm not going to end the relationship probably unless I get like right. absolutely none of my wants met. So it's important to try to figure out like, what is a want and what is a need? A lot of times we can tell the difference if like, so I'll ask you like, do you want to be in a monogamous relationship? What's your answer to that? 
Yes. Okay. So you answered pretty quickly, which is which signifies like that's probably a need. But if you're like, um, huh. I mean, I don't know. Then it's like right, right. more of a want. So like it just sort of like depends on like how delayed you are or how like uh, introspective you are when somebody like asks you one of those questions. So try to identify what your needs are. You could also like try to identify what your values are in a relationship. And if mm-hmm. they're being met in the relationship, you can Google, just Google the search term values card sort values card sort and it brings up like this pdf of all of these cards that have different values on them print those fucking cards out sort those cards figure out like what are your top five or top 10 values in a relationship that you want to experience and then you can see like are you experiencing these values does your partner have these values is it a good values match if it is great if it's not then it's a red flag or you might need to start speaking up yeah yeah Oh, I love that. That's a great that's a great thing to like just start out every relationship. Yes. Like print your fucking cards out. Yes. So let's say, because you brought up a really good point when you're in a newer relationship and you're in that kind of courting phase, it's not so easy to sit down on uh, to like dinner on your third date and be like, so I just want to let you know, these are my non-negotiables and my deal breakers. Are you going to fuck with any of them? Because I'd like to know now. Great. Um, it's not that easy because you're like, ooh, I, I want them to like me. And I've totally been there. Mm-hmm. So when is an appropriate time to start stating boundaries and wants and needs in a relationship? Uh, I mean, I want to give you like a very specific time, but you're like, there's not just good luck. (laughs) (laughs) The answer, which is like such an annoying fucking therapist answer is just like, well, it depends, you know, Um, and, and it's really just sort of like up to you and you're on your journey. But I really want you to like think about like. When you're thinking about the non-negotiables and the deal breakers, I want you to just sort of be like collecting the data that will tell you if you're if you're like meeting those non-negotiables or deal breakers in the like quote unquote like early days of dating. So this is like before you actually commit and define the relationship. So anywhere between like the first date and defining the relationship, those are the early days of dating. And that might be uh, two weeks or it might be 20 weeks. Like, I don't know how long it's going to last for you. Right, right. But I want you to figure all this shit out before you define the relationship and be like, we're exclusive and this is our label and now we're moving forward. Yeah. And so if you want, you can be like me and be kind of like a freak about it and have that list on you and ask within the first three dates because I'm not fucking around. Right. Right. Yeah. So I like to do that. I can make it a fun little game for us to connect on. And yeah, that's cute. I love that. We love games. Um, (laughs) And I think that's fair. If you're dating with intention, like Mm -hmm. not to just like be on apps and go sleep around and like have a fun hookup. If you're dating to have a relationship that is going to go somewhere. I think that's totally fucking valid to sit down on the third date Mm -hmm. or, you know, early on in the relationship and be like, okay, so like, you know, and yeah, you're right. Bring it up in like a fun way. Don't make them feel like the the jail cell is closing and like the walls are closing (laughs) in. Um, But to be like, look, I want to like see if we're on the same page with some of this and like, let me tell you some of my shit and then you can tell me some of yours. Yeah, exactly. Especially with the big stuff. Like, do you want kids? But like, if if it's really important, do you want to live in the city? Because I want to get the fuck out of here. Like, how important is family to you? Do you want, because I can't stand my, you know, like, there's sort of like all these really big questions that maybe should be asked. 
And again, as long as you're doing it before you define the relationship, I think you're good. Yeah. But I'd say within the first five to 10 dates, probably, I think the first and second date is, and even the third date is just sort of like, are we vibing? Does this feel good? Are we attracted to each other? Like, do I want to see you again? But when you start to like imagine what like the potential future would be in a more like serious way and not a fantastical way, then you have to start asking these these questions and you're setting a tone because this is really good communication. Totally. And there's also ways to, ask those questions and not make it seem like you took out a notepad, Mm -hmm. flipped it over and was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to grill your ass. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's fun ways to work those questions into conversation. When you get to a point in a relationship where you feel either disrespected or something has happened and you're like, oh shit, maybe I didn't clearly communicate this. Like I need to set a boundary. Can you give me an example of a really good way to approach that? I love to uh, pat myself on the back and remind people that I have been in therapy on and off my entire life. So like when you get into an argument with me, you better believe like I'm bringing shit from therapy. Like I talk like my therapist does. It can get annoying because I'm like the last thing that's going to happen in this argument is for you to say I'm being unfair. I'm going to be so fucking fair and so by the book. So can you give us kind of a good way to approach that and and with like a a sentence or two that would be well received. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you don't set that boundary, then you're going to probably end up resenting them or losing respect for yourself. You know, like there's just Mm. like so much bad shit that can like affect the relationship if you're not setting these boundaries. But it's also kind of like an art to be able to set a boundary in such a way that's like not offensive, you know, or reactive even. And it's understandable if it's going to be reactive sometimes because sometimes you need to react to something big is happening. But I want you to kind of do it in the sort of like, what is that? Positive compliments. Positive reinforcement. Yeah, positive reinforcement, definitely. So like if someone's like, if you're like making a move and you're and you're wanting to have sex with me and it's the fifth night in the row that you're wanting to do it and my body is just fucking sore. Like I can't do it. I'm injured because of all the wild sex that we've had and I've been loving it, but I like, I need a break. If you're making a move and you're like, let's do this again, therapy, Jeff, because now even my partners call me therapy, Jeff. It's a whole role play. I'm dead. I'm dead. Um, (laughs) Oh my God. The mental image I just got (laughs) was so great. Oh, therapy, Jeff. Yes. Oh my God. I love it. So let's say you're wanting to go ahead and make a move for like the fifth or sixth night in a row. I'm not into it because I'm sore. I'm going to be like uh, setting a boundary here where I'm going to say like, I love that you love me. I love that you're initiating. I am so turned on. I feel so flattered that you want to do it again. And I do like, there's a really big part of me that like wants to do it, to do it again. But there's another part of me that's just like needs the rest that like, I need to just sort of like hang out, get some good sleep and not like hang from the rafters tonight. But I can't wait to do it with you tomorrow and I'll make the move if you don't make it first. So you're just sort of like, yeah, I love this. I love this. I love this. Here's my boundary. Here's another. I love this. I love this and you're a rock star. Yeah. I can't wait to to do this again. And that way, like you're really taking it in. You don't feel so butthurt. Like, especially if it's if it's initiating sex or something like that, mm-hmm. because you're being really vulnerable, you're being really brave, you're really putting yourself totally. out there. Yeah. And so for somebody to give you like a soft, kind boundary and then tell you like you should keep on, you should initiate though again whenever you want. Like that feels so nice. So 
Yeah. That's how, is that how you would set a boundary if you were setting one? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I thought that was a really, really great, it's because it's true. You have to like, it's like put the boundary in a box, give them like a nice cute mm-hmm. little box and then wrap it really pretty <laughs> and then give it to them with a smile. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe the contents in the box will be received a little better, mm-hmm. which is totally valid. And I, I get that from the other person's standpoint who is receiving the boundary that can sometimes feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. or they blame themselves like oh i must have done something wrong so the positive reinforcement really helps kind of minimize that Mm -hmm. which i think is really great so let's think about if it's not something that's so like fun and new and like all the sex you're just having all the sex (laughs) and it's uh you're in a relationship and your partner has been doing questionable things on social media whether that's you know responding to you know flirtatious dms or liking photos of scantily clad instagram models like doing some like sketchy stuff and you need to approach them to set a boundary there. How do you handle that? So just You're like you leave. Just fucking no, run. Well, <laughs> side note is that like I think this might be one of the top three questions I get from from and I've never answered it. Uh oh, okay. <laughs> I will I will do my best and but I want to tell you why I've never answered it. Just cause like I feel like it's so loaded. There's yeah. and and it's understandable, you know, and ridiculous that that's one of the top questions you get because that's why I asked it because I know how many of my listeners are dealing with shit like that. It's fun. <laughs> I also just this past weekend I started. I asked maybe like seven or eight of my like friends, most of them therapist friends, and they all had different fucking answers. So, oh, I, <laughs> so there's like some answers were just like, why are you even paying attention to your boyfriend's like Instagram likes as much as you are? Like why? Why, why is that interesting to you? Like, why do you feel like right. you need to? Another one is just like, well, it sounds like there's like feelings of insecurity and you're not good enough stuff. So maybe like approach your boyfriend in that sort of way of mm-hmm. like, I'm feeling really insecure. I don't even like myself that I'm checking your fucking Instagram likes. Like that right, doesn't feel right. good to me at all. Other other people are just like, no, this feels, this is kind of like, this is sort of like pornography and it feels Mm. like borderline almost cheating. And we haven't even really like talked about how this feels in the relationship of like, if this feels okay or if this feels fucked up or what my feelings. So I feel like, again, it depends. Um, But like, I, this is actually a really good conversation to have, like at the beginning stage of a relationship, just to be Mm. like, how do you, like, does this feel like cheating? What is cheating? What is emotional cheating to you? Like, right. do you feel like it would be okay if I did this or if you did this? Like, how is this behavior affecting the relationship? It doesn't feel like I'm all of a sudden like the priority. It, it feels like you want somebody else and all the people that you're liking all look different than I do. Like, that makes me feel really shitty about my body or how I look or how I feel in this relationship. So right. the, the way that I typically go or think about this question is that like I want you to be able to like approach your partner in a way where you're like here's my vulnerable feelings like there's a part of you that's probably just like what the fuck is this goddamn bullshit that you're doing like you want to just sort of be like uh I'm angry I'm hurt so I'm gonna hurt you which I totally get hurt people hurt people that whole thing uh but (laughs) 
it would probably go better if you're like, hey, I've I'm like I, I don't really like the person that I've like become where I'm like monitoring your social media feed. Like this doesn't feel good to me. It kind of I don't know. It's like crazy making to me, and it's because like I'm starting to feel really insecure that you're liking all of these Instagram models and that maybe you're even like messaging them or commenting on them. Like it really sort of like triggers something inside of me. Can you make me feel mm-hmm. better? Like, you know, just sort of like put that out there, let them know you're feeling like shitty and ask them to make you feel better. See what happens. Yeah, I I love that answer in in any, you're like, okay, great. (laughs) Then let's move on. (laughs) What's your answer? I want to know what what you would say. Well, I thankfully am not in a relationship where that's ever a thing anymore. I, I certainly have been in the past. And I don't remember necessarily how I handled it. I know there were times where I found like messages and DMs and did the mm-hmm. the hurt people hurt, like <laughs> fucking explain this motherfucker, which obviously like didn't end well. But I, I, I think it really comes down to is the person acting to like out of blatant disrespect or have they not been made aware that this is a trigger for Mm. you or makes you feel uncomfortable? I'm always in the camp of like, sometimes people are stupid. (laughs) So until you tell them like, hey, this sucks and is affecting me in a negative way, if you care about me, I'd love for you to help me fix this um, and giving them the chance to do that, which is pretty much what you just said. And that to me, it's like, if that can't be done, then it's time to be like, mm, okay, maybe I need to like reevaluate if I'm yeah. in the right relationship. I mean, I like it because like basically you're saying like, go ahead and give them the benefit of the doubt that they're a fucking idiot. And then that they right. right. And, and, and I think that I support that. Like you should default on like imagining that your partner has the best of intentions and they didn't know that they were hurting you. And this is some like old bullshit adolescent behavior that like maybe needs to kind of go away a little bit or like they need to understand the emotional, like the impact that it's having on their partner because it's more important what their partner is feeling than like, you know, liking these Instagram models or whatever. But if you don't have the, if you can't give them the benefit of the doubt, that's a sign that like maybe something is up. Maybe like there's been yeah. like some resentment that's been brewing, some contempt that's been boiling. You just kind of fucking hate them. And when they do that shit, it's just like, here we fucking go again, you know? And that's like, that's not, that's not great. Um, but if yeah. you can approach it in the way that you and I are approaching it, then solid that's gold like yeah. you should do that yeah definitely <laughs> i love how you're like if you're just like i kind of fucking hate them <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's not the right Red relationship flag if guys. you kind of fucking hate them i'm interested to know a little bit more if you're willing to tell me about like that yeah. did you snoop on your partner's phone to see if they were like direct messaging people or did they show yeah. you how did that play so out? well okay so it's funny because it's all it's detailed in my book oh, okay, like the okay. first part of how this like epic divorce you know came came to be. But we were always very open with each other on each other's social media. So like Mm. I would scroll on his Snapchat. Mm -hmm. He would like peek around on my Instagram, not like in our messages, but just like on the feeds when we were bored. And he was in the shower one day and I was on the bed scrolling through uh, like on his phone. And I saw a contact on his Snapchat that I didn't recognize. And I was like, who, who is this? Um, And he played it off being like, oh, Wait, what's the name? Oh, I think it's someone I went to college with. Mm-hmm. Like very like, oh, I don't know, someone who just added me. 
And that was all it took to kind of make my intuition start Mm -hmm. going off. Mm -hmm. So a few days later, I came home. And honestly, props to me now that we're (laughs) recounting the story. I walked in and I was like, look, this is probably my old insecurities. And this it's I feel icky that I even have to ask you, but. I would you be okay if I sat down and looked through your phone? Mm-hmm. This was my husband at the time. Like yeah. I wasn't gonna like go and like hide in a dark corner, although like with the shit that he was doing, it was warranted. Um and he was like, Yeah, but like can I sit down and do it with you? Like while you look? And I'm like, Yeah, sure. So I sit down, I start like openly going through like trash email, like all the places mm-hmm. that you should look mm-hmm. when people are being shady. And then a Snapchat came in from that specific person. So I opened the Snapchat and it's she's like sitting in a hairdresser situation with like foils in her hair. And I turn the phone to him. I'm like, why would she be sending you this? And he's like, oh, it's it's probably just, you know, sent to her friends list, which is a thing on Snapchat that like Mm -hmm. you just send it to everybody or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of fucking weird. And the next thing that comes in is a text saying, so how's the marriage going? And I was like, oh, oh. And that's when I kind of knew. So, but, Mm -hmm. but to what we were saying, like I did come in and was like, hey, my insecurities are flaring up. This is probably my own bullshit. But like, would you mind if I look through your Mm -hmm. phone? So like, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's exactly how... I'm leading by example, guys. That's what you should do. <laughs> I support that. I, I think that's what you should do as well. The the I, I I love how you're asking to like go through the phone just right in front of him, and he's also being like, okay, I'll I'll sit by your side. Right. I mean, that looking back on it, that's that that's a little fishy now, but yeah. <laughs> um, but you're both going through it together. Yeah. Uh, the the risk is going through it snooping and not telling them about it because now you're sort of like breaking trust even though you have like you know you're justified right right but you can you can only really justify it if you find find something something, yeah you have to sort of like retroactively justify it even still if you find something and then you take it to them the first thing they're gonna say if they're fucking you know shitty is well you why were you looking through my phone you were the one that fucking broke like the privacy of my phone Mm -hmm. first and it's like okay yeah that's all they got that's all they (laughs) fucking have just they know they're up against the wall yeah (laughs) i'll just i'll watch you fucking squirm while you try to like come up with some bullshit and and also like i've seen that fight i don't know 25 30 times in my therapy office and i'm just like god damn it i'm like because like a couple's therapist is like our one of our number one rules is like never take a side. Right. But if it's that specific thing, I'm just like, all right, buddy, shut the fuck You're up. Fucking like, we're wrong. so yeah. <laughs> Retreat. You're fucking wrong. Retreat. And maybe, maybe we can talk about this 20 sessions later yeah. after we've healed this thing. But even then, probably never again. Right. So right. like shut the fuck up. I want to help you and save you. You trying to defend yourself, being like, I can't believe you broke my trust. Like, there's so many bigger <laughs> yeah, issues here. Yeah, you're like, bro, please. Yeah. Okay, uh-huh. so that was a perfect segue into some cheating talk because you dropped a video that was basically saying five reasons of why people cheat. And because mm-hmm. of my book and what I've went through, so many of my listeners have been through some type of infidelity or cheating. Um, and it was a really interesting video because you put it in like the other person's shoes. Like, okay, if I'm the cheater, like what are some reasons that I'm going to choose to cheat? So can we dig into that a little bit? What you think some of the main reasons are that humans uh, choose to to cheat on their partner? Yeah, let's dig into it. 
because I, I see a lot of infidelity in therapy. And so this is just sort of like, whether you like it or not, if you're a therapist, you're going to be talking about like cheating and infidelity a lot. And it's interesting because like a lot of the folks that do the cheating are coming in and they're just sort of like emotionally broken. They mm. feel fucking horrible. So there is like a bit of compassion that I'm going to like naturally feel, especially if they're coming into therapy. It's probably like they want to repair this. Right. They want to like figure out what happened here and try to make things better. But oh my God, it like it, everything gets fucked. It's basically like you had a relationship, then cheating happens. If you're going to have another relationship, it's going to be a completely different relationship. Right. Like the old relationship is gone. It's done. We have to grieve it. It'll yeah. never be like that ever again because of what you've done. And I can even have compassion for you for maybe there's like, you know, some reason that we can like have a better understanding of it, but we have to like move on and figure out how to relate in like a completely different way. Yeah. Um. So one of the reasons uh, I, I I can't remember the five reasons that video I've made like so many. Fucking I know. Did you hate ridiculous. when people are like, so this video you're like that I did fucking eight years ago? Like I don't know. I do one a day. <laughs> Give me more context, Gabrielle. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um. But I know that like one of the reasons. And again, I'm not like making any excuses for cheaters here. I'm just trying to like understand their psyches. Totally. And I, I don't think this is a good reason for people to cheat, but I think it's a very common reason that people cheat is because like they're given the opportunity. Mm. They're they're given the opportunity and you're typically going to get an opportunity an opportunity or many opportunities while you're in a relationship to cheat. And it's it's not so much about like I'm going to go out and do a cheat. It's like you need to be prepared to say no to a cheat when you're provided the opportunity to do it. So sometimes it's just like you're given the opportunity and now you have to make that decision and you might say yes to it. One of the reasons you might say yes to it is because you think you fucking deserve it. Like <laughs> you're just like you have there's like this grandiosity, right? Right? I'm just like, I deserve to cheat. This is like such a great opportunity. I think I can get, can get away with it. Or even if I can't get away with it, like, look at, like, I should be able to do this. Where you're, it, it, So it's, there's like a self-centeredness, a right. selfishness. I, you know, we all like feel that in our adolescence and maybe like into our 20s where it's mm -hmm. like sort of like developmentally appropriate. Even then, hopefully you're not cheating. But like, this is something that as adults, we need to grow out of. Right. And a lot of people... And I don't like to get like too gendered, but like I think this is like a lot of men have like a problem like growing out of this stage and like society and our culture like sort of like give these messages to men that they should just take it. They should just grab life by the horn, you know. Right. And so like that's one of the reasons is just sort of like grandiosity. It's a horrible reason. <laughs> it's not the best reason. It might be the worst. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Like that is bottom of the totem a, pole. <laughs> <laughs> a very, very bad reason. Another reason is that there's something in the relationship that they're in that they're not getting that they think they can get mm. through cheating. So like, I feel bored or it's not very adventurous or I don't feel desired or attracted to. Like, I'm sad that my partner isn't really into me anymore. Um, or it could just be like, I don't feel intellectually stimulated and this person is so smart in the same way that I'm smart. They totally get, you know... They understand about like politics or dinosaurs or whatever the fuck I'm into. Like they get me, they see me like my partner doesn't see me. And, and so there's sort of like a piece of me that like that's missing. I'm not experiencing a part of myself in this relationship 
but I can experience a part of myself outside of the relationship with this person. Still, not a great excuse. The, the reason that the, the, the most common thing, the most common thing I hear when this couple comes into session, and that was the reason why, is, is that like the other person who got cheated on is just like, yeah, I could have fucking done that for you. I'm super into dinosaurs and you don't even know it. Or I like <sighs> want to go to a sex club, but you never asked me. Or mm. I want to do all these adventurous things or go cave diving or whatever it is. Like if you just would have given me the opportunity to meet that need, right. I would have met it probably, or we would have like met halfway or something. And you didn't have to like ruin the relationship. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of the things that I usually tell my listeners that I found comfort in when I was cheated on in my marriage was that it wasn't ever about me. It was something that he was lacking inside himself, that he was trying to like fill this need or this void. And it didn't matter if he was married to me or married to Jennifer Lopez or married to like the girl he was cheating on me with, you know? It was something that he was needing to do to fill some something that he was missing within himself. Like it's never really about, in my eyes, no. the person yeah. that's being cheated on. Right. Uh, it's usually a old um, childhood wound, like daddy never hugged me enough and mm. I never felt seen or heard or understood in the house and and I feel like I'm not I'm worthless and and the only way that I can feel of worth is when someone is like choosing me to have sex with me or something right. so and it gets like satisfied for a little while or maybe even a long while in a relationship but it's never really addressed because there's some like parent issues that are never really talked about in a real yeah. way you eventually like there's this void that's left where you have to continue to fill it and you'll probably end up trying to fill that void for the rest of your life and you'll never have like a real relationship and you'll never have like real intimacy right you know that's that you know so but those people a lot of times they fool themselves and they fool the people that they're dating or married to um and you know because they become sort of like or they're maybe like narcissistic adjacent or something or yeah. maybe even narcissistic but like you know they have the narcissistic qualities and character Characteristics and they don't even know it. Yeah, that totally totally checks out on my end. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> uh, or you know the emotional maturity to talk about like there is a void, there is something that I feel like is missing, so I need to go to therapy or talk to you about it or go on a walkabout. I don't know, like they need to find themselves, mm -hmm. um, do some meditation or journaling. There's so many fucking things you can do instead of cheating, right? So that that's a really big reason why and a lot of times if that couple comes into therapy i'm not i don't see it getting repaired unless like that person that did the cheating does a lot of like really deep work yeah and like understanding their psyche and figuring it out the people that come in who have gone through cheating who are what are the scenarios that you most likely see success of repairing the relationship well, the other one that I wanted to add, which I see the least amount of success in, is the the person that cheats who's just like, this relationship is over anyways. This is fucking stupid. Uh, like, like I'm on the exit route, so like whatever. I'm on the exit route. There's a hottie that like wants to do it with me. Like, why the fuck not? And they're probably like self-sabotaging or this is like mm. a good quote unquote excuse right. to get out of it. They're, they're also probably being pretty sloppy about it and they're going to get caught. You know, so and then if somehow their partner drags them into therapy, 
and they tell me the story, I'm just like, cool. So you don't want to be here. Yeah. Uh, obviously, like I need you to be like all in or at least mostly into this relationship of wanting to repair it. And you seem all out, bud. So I don't think that relation that relationship therapy is going to work for you. And then I turn to the other person. And I'm like, why do you feel like it's okay to be with somebody that doesn't actually want to be with you? Right. Why is it okay to be with somebody that doesn't want to meet your needs? Why is it somebody that, why do you want to be with somebody that's just like so blatantly disrespects you? Why is that okay with you? Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll give them that message. It might be a little more compassionate, not as direct, but I'm going to try to like wake them up yeah. so they can be like, why the fuck am I with this person? Like, why am I dragging this cheating asshole to therapy when he's just going to fucking like waste the the session money and then go do it again? Exactly. Yeah. It's pointless. Yeah. So there's that. But again, going back to what we first started with in this podcast, a lot of times that person stays with that person because they still feel like chosen to a certain right. degree. Right. And oh my God, those- which is so sad to me. Like, oh, I want to, like, so hug, hug those people. <laughs> There's just sort of, like, a feeling of, like, codependency, maybe, yeah. of, like, or I am i can't exist without them. What would my life look like? Even though they know yeah. that this is not a good relationship. The ones that are more successful are the ones, like, if you come in and the person who did the cheating, they're not, like, it wasn't because they're grandiose. It wasn't because they're selfish. It wasn't because there's, like, some void. It's, like... They made a fucking mistake, a really stupid mistake. Maybe they were a little drunk. Maybe they're a little tipsy. Maybe they like felt really lost. Maybe they were depressed and they mm. thought that, or they were feeling really like there's like some sort of mental health issue maybe going on that that wasn't totally addressed and it has nothing to do with the relationship. It has more to do with just sort of like them. And then they do it and they do it maybe just one time or a handful of times with that one person. And then they feel horrible. <laughs> they feel so much remorse. And when they come in, you can tell they're feeling incredibly remorseful. They feel so guilty. They feel so bad. And they're not like a lot of times when I ask somebody like, why did you cheat? How did this happen? If their answer is like, I have no idea. I'm just like, fuck, this is going to be a lot harder right, right. <laughs> than I want it to be because that's such a bullshit answer. I get it. Like, yeah. I understand. Like, you feel like, I don't know if I blacked out. Who knows how this happened? But now we have to do the thing where I have to get you to take accountability for it. And so a lot of times it's going to be a lot more successful if you can have accountability and understand the impact that you just had on your relationship, that everything has changed forever, that there needs to be like a really big change. And what are you going to do about it? You're motivated to do it. And then the person that got cheated on, I'm not here to do like victim blaming. However, is there anything that happened in the relationship that you contributed to that made it like a little bit more disconnected? Mm. What are you two doing as like the couple to like both be a little bit more disconnected? And if we can identify what that is, then both of you can change into this new relationship that's a healing relationship and even stronger than before, hopefully. Yeah, I think it comes back to the main rule that whether it's repairing a relationship or making a relationship work, it has to be a two-way street and both parties want, like have to want to forgive each other and make it work and go forward. It has to be a two-way street. And sometimes it has to be a one-way street one time at a one set of time. So like if it's a two-way street, sometimes it's like, well, this is what I want. And the other person's like, well, this is what I want. It's a two-way street. But we have to be like, well, let's just focus on one of you. Right, right. (laughs) 
What do you want? And usually it's the person that got cheated on where it's just like, we're focusing on you. I don't give a shit about your street totally. over there. Yeah. We're only focusing Fuck on your this. street. <laughs> Fuck your street. <laughs> it's a garbage street. And then once we like take care of that street, we can kind of go over to you and figure out what's going on. We sort of like go back and forth until eventually it feels more like a two-way street where you're yeah. both kind of naturally organically there for each other. But, you know, most of the people, I think there's like some study that I'm just going to throw out there and I can't point to. So just trust me. (laughs) There's like two thirds of people that get cheated on that have that go through infidelity stay together. No shit. Yeah, shit. Like that's that's, (laughs) they stay together. And I'm not saying like maybe they have just sort of like a sad relationship for a long time or for the rest of their life. But most of the time they stay together. So that's something to keep in mind because a lot of times when we get cheated on and we decide to stay together, you're just like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Right. I can't believe I'm doing this. But most people actually do because, I don't know, they have a family or there's a lot there. They have a good history or there's still love. There's so much good. Like there's a lot of yeah. reasons to try to repair it. Yeah, I'm here for that. So as we wrap up, let's imagine we went through the cheating and fuck their side of the street and now we're like (laughs) bye I'll see you later and we're alone and we're entering into a new relationship how do you enter into that new relationship without carrying the baggage and fear bullshit of being cheated on by your last partner I mean if you can go to therapy yeah I know that like therapy is a privilege and we don't have all we don't all have access to it and or sometimes we can't afford it or we don't have insurance but if you can Going to therapy between relationships can be like a really good palate cleanser. Yeah. Uh, to like really understand what happened so that you can, you know, a lot of times you can kind of like look back on the relationship and be like, oh, here's the red flags that I ignored. Yeah. This is the type of person that I was attracted to. Again, it's not your fault, but like you made you made some errors in judgment possibly. Yeah. And if you did, then we're going to kind of like take a look at it. But maybe you didn't make errors in judgment at all. And it was just like totally 100% that person's fault and that can happen as well. But I want you to kind of like get to a place where there's like a certain amount of healing that's done where there isn't a lot of like anger and desperation and reaction where you're just like, fuck this, I'm going to get out there just to kind of like the best way to get over somebody is to get under somebody. Go ahead and do that and fuck around if you want, but don't take those relationships seriously. Like that's that's not going to be like a long-term relationship probably. It's not like the best way to start. I've seen relationships I, I survive and that. thrive, but yeah, it's that's not really a great idea. So go to therapy and then if you can, or just like journal about it, talk about it, or take like, your time to heal. listen to like pod free podcasts like this. Like you have yes. like a great Patreon subscription that I'm sure is cheaper mm-hmm. than actual therapy. Like <laughs> it is <laughs> exactly listen. Like there's so many wonderful podcasts that you can just listen to and get insight on. And and oh, I started a new podcast called This Changes Everything. Oh, I so love can, it. Yeah, so you can listen to that podcast too. And then head into a new relationship, just sort of like really deliberately and slow. And when you start to get to know people, like do that thing, like we were sort of talking about at the beginning, where you're like, you're asking the big, important questions of like, where you're trying to kind of like understand, like, how direct are they? What is their emotional maturity? Are they conflict avoidant? Does it seem like they feel really grounded? Mm. Um, Where they just like, how stable and honest, emotionally honest is this person? So we can't guarantee that you're never going to be cheated on again. But if you can tell like, oh, this person doesn't feel grandiose at all, or oh, this person understands what their impact is on me. This person can have like hard conversations. This person has the same values that I have. Like 
this is all early stage of dating, the early days before you like lock it down and define that relationship and trust your gut, like trust your intuition. It's going to be telling you a lot. And also being, you know, communicative about what you've been through. Like, hey, Mm -hmm. my last relationship like was a shit show. I got cheated on like this guy, Mm -hmm. you know, did this, this and this. These are some Mm -hmm. some triggers that I'm working through and like making the other person aware of that so they can, you know, protect that if you're going to move forward in a relationship. Great point. Yes, 100% support that. Oh my God. Therapy Jeff, I adore you. Can you please tell everyone where they can find your Patreon subscription, the new podcast, you on social media, all of the things? (laughs) Yes. So you can find, you can search for Therapy Jeff on TikTok. That's where I hit it big with over 2 million followers. It's ridiculous. (laughs) And then Instagram, you can find me at Therapy Jeff. Patreon, just search for Therapy Jeff. It's just four dollars a month for and you get to like stare at me every day while i rant at you you will will become a green flag it's amazing that's like less than a cup of coffee for free therapy come on (laughs) exactly how are you not doing that and i just uh i started this new podcast with another therapist friend it's called this changes everything and it's really fun and we talk about very similar topics oh my god i love it thank you so much for uh, gracing us with your presence yet again i i very greatly appreciate it Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. I'll talk to you soon. Oh, therapy, Jeff. Therapy, Jeff. (laughs) Uh, I had so much fun having this conversation. There were so many golden fucking nuggets in here. I hope it resonated with you. Please, if it did, shoot Therapy Jeff a message on Instagram. Tell him how much you loved this episode on FML Talk because I would love to get him back on to dive into some different topics. I just think he is the epitome of what we love on FML Talk. Therapy, some cuss words, some laughter, and some really great fucking content. I absolutely love it. I hope you guys had as much fun today as I did and got some good stuff out of this episode. All right, FMLers, if you don't want to miss an episode, make sure to follow on your favorite podcast app. And if you're loving the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can keep up with me on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone or the podcast page at FML Talk Podcast. For all the merch and books signed personally by me, you can shop the FML line on eatpreyfml.com. And as always, have a fucking self-love cocktail on me. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.